I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And this week is a long-distance mini-episode. Yep. While Madigan is on vacation. Yep. Living it up here in Minnesota. How is Minnesota? (laughs) It's good. It's a little on the cool side, and I didn't pack accordingly, but it's fine. It's fun. Well, because it shouldn't be. If you're in L.A., <laughs> it's, it's still like 90 degrees here. Yeah, it's like it was in the mid-70s today. They said that it was to the low 80s, but it still felt pretty cool. But it's nice. It's a nice change of pace, too. So, Yeah. Um, here in L.A., the pod closet was so hot that I'm recording in the dining room. So if it sounds a little echoey or if you hear cat shenanigans, that would be why. Yeah, (laughs) but we can only do what we can just to uh, give you all that content you so crave. Madigan, I feel like I haven't talked to you in so long. Keegan, you have no idea how much I've missed you. It has been a crazy couple of weeks. It doesn't even I was gone for an entire week on a boat and it doesn't even really feel like it. It's the weirdest thing. Like as soon as you get back to your regular routine, it's just like nothing ever happened. Exactly. (laughs) I know. I just want to hold you in my arms so badly. Oh soon. Soon. (laughs) So the only thing that really changed for me is that now I'm a rum drinker because I was just on a cruise and that's what you do. Keegan, I'm a beer drinker now. Oh my. I know. That's Who a big I? change. I know. Who am That's I? a big change in a very short period of time. I know. I just haven't tried beer really in years. And I went to like a baseball game and that's what you do. You drink beer. And I was and then That's very true. Yeah, and people here go to breweries all the time. So I went to a brewery and I was like, this shit is good. 
I had beer when I was in Cabo because it was like the cheapest thing you could do. You could get yeah. like six beers, like a bucket of six beers for like eight bucks or something. <laughs> a bucket. I love it. A bucket of beers. Bucket of beers. But right now, I'm drinking a frozen pina colada Ooh. as we record because I'm having beach vibes. I was just going to say, are you having withdrawal? I'm having like hella withdrawal, yeah. <laughs> hella withdrawal? Okay. But I mean, only from like rum yeah. beverages because I'm not having withdrawal from cruise food because I ate <laughs> so goddamn much that I am now, I've been keto for the last three days. Yeah. Because I've been like... <laughs> I do that whenever I like have a bunch of junk food or like don't eat very well. And then I'm I like... I felt terrible. I just want green beans and salads. I know. And <laughs> yeah. I had salad for like two days straight because your, I was just like... Your body's like, like I, begging you. Yeah. It's like stop eating steak for every single meal. That it's not necessary. amazing. Steak and soft serve is what I survived on, on oh, that boat. Wow. That's it was amazing. good. It was a good life, but it, my body did suffer. Oh, my um. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Well, should we just kind of get right into it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I really only have one thing. <laughs> Me too. But I have, well, I kind of have two. I have one thing that um, is more serious, I guess, and then another thing that is very positive. I don't have anything that I feel like falls on either side of the aisle. It's just the main thing that's in the news right now. So talk to me I feel about like we it. Have to talk about it. You go first. Okay. So the biggest thing that happened, and it happened yesterday, mm-hmm. um, both Michael Cohen and Paul Manafort, who Michael Cohen is Trump's attorney mm-hmm. slash fixer upper guy. Yeah. And um, Paul Manafort, who is a incredibly seedy and disgusting human being. Mm-hmm. Um, if you listen to the podcast Behind the Bastards, which I always recommend. They have a two-parter on Paul Manafort, and if you think he's shitty, he's way more shitty than you I think he is. So, to that. yeah, I mean, some episodes are better than others, and those two episodes are—they can be dry in places, but it's good information to know yeah. about. Like this guy is a piece of shit, and I don't right. feel bad at all that he is going away for a little while, and he's not even going away for the worst shit. Like he's going away for federal tax and bank fraud. But you might know of Paul Manafort because he was the campaign chairman for Donald Trump. Yeah. So that's how people would know him as of late. But like I said, his work with Donald Trump is probably actually the least shitty stuff that he's done professionally, which is really saying something. Yeah. So I guess we'll start with Paul Manafort. A federal jury yesterday found, or I guess Tuesday, found Donald Trump's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, guilty on eight of the 18 charges he faced in his tax and bank fraud trial. Speaking on Tuesday evening in Charleston, West Virginia, Trump said Manafort was a quote-unquote good man. It doesn't involve me, but I still feel, you know, it's a very sad thing that happened. This I has feel, not- you know. <laughs> yeah, and I love this. Okay, so he says that, you know, it's a really sad thing that happened. And then immediately, because our president can't stay focused for longer than five seconds, right. he says, this has nothing to do with Russian collusion. This is a witch hunt and a disgrace. Uh, which is just like, dude, stop bringing it up. I know. Like, do you know. know how guilty that makes you look whenever you're so. the one who brings it up constantly? Like, no one was talking about that right now. <laughs> you brought it up. Yeah. Oh, my God. This verdict makes it absolutely clear that the Mueller probe is not a witch hunt. It is a serious investigation that is rooting out corruption and rough Russian influence in our political system at the highest levels, which I think people are kind of looking at this and seeing it as a huge win. 
Yeah. Which it is, because it's the first time that we're seeing two people very close to Trump. Some sort of thing right. happen. Yeah. Two people who are very, very close to Trump are being, are criminals, are yeah. actually convicted criminals. But as Lindsey Graham pointed out, he said, the American legal system is working its will in both the Paul Manafort and Michael Cohen cases. Thus far, there have yet to be any charges or convictions for colluding with the Russian government by any member of the Trump campaign in the 2016 election. So that is something that we really need to keep in mind, that although this looks really good, and if you had told me at the beginning of the Trump presidency when I was still all like really, Hopeful. really riled up and ready, yeah. I would be super excited right now. Yeah. But I'm not. Yeah. I don't think I will be excited until I see Trump actually going down for something. Because right now... He's still pretty safe. He's still pretty safe. I mean, if anything, I would say that the Michael Cohen situation has Trump in more hot water than the Paul Manafort mm-hmm. situation. Of course, his proximity to Paul Manafort doesn't look very good. Yeah. But with Michael Cohen pleading guilty to eight federal counts, one of those counts related to campaign finance violations. Oh. So in those tapes that he released where him and Trump are talking about paying somebody off, that's really bad for Trump. That looks because really bad. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's basically them saying, like, we can kind of hide this money and, and say that it's campaign violations, when in reality they were paying somebody off to keep quiet during yeah. the campaign because it would look really bad for Trump. So, right. I mean, we're kind of... We're, we're kind of in a middle ground position, but I feel like it's a really good thing to bring up. You know, I don't know. It, know it's exciting, but to, I'm tentative. I, yeah, I honestly haven't given it that much time because for me, it's like the talk is great, but I don't, you know, I, I've had my hopes up with that much, with that stuff too many times. So it's just kind of like, I'm not going to believe it yet until something more happens right I mean I'm I'm happy that these people are going away because they're shit people yeah um I think Cohen took a plea deal like our country yet you know right I mean and I was having a conversation with a coworker earlier today where I was basically like it's great I'm happy it's happening I do feel like it's one step closer Mm -hmm. but at the same time I think I had this expectation at the beginning of this presidency that when this shit started to hit the fan, that people on the other side, that you could kind of, that they would eat crow, that you could kind of be like, yeah. told you so. You know so what I mean? many things, but like he, um, I mean, I've been talking about Keep It Weird a lot, our friends that we had our live show with, and they did a really great, they have a really awesome cult series that's kind of like ongoing with their show, and their most recent one, which I think was episode 51, is where they talk about like brainwashing in politics, especially with our current presidency. Right. And it's so fascinating. Because it is. Like, Trump, you know, it's kind of like, you know how in like North Korea, like they physically can't watch anything else, but like the propaganda of North Korea. Well, Trump has basically told everybody, everybody that's not Fox News is lying to you. So everybody who believes Oh, yeah, truth is not the truth. Rudy Giuliani literally said those words last week. I know. So So he's... So his followers, the people that believe in Trump, are not going to be taking these things that are happening and saying, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that happened. There's going to be excuses made in other news um, coverage that's going to make it it's going to spin the narrative in a different way. You know what I mean? Yeah, They're not yeah. willing to admit their faults yet. 
Yeah, I mean, the Trump, pro- I mean, not the Trump, but the U.S. propaganda machine is really intense regardless, like even uh-huh. outside of this um, presidency, it's super intense. But that kind of plays into another thing that I kind of wanted to touch on um, is QAnon. Have you heard about QAnon? I have not. Tell me about it. So QAnon is basically this group of like really loyal right wing Trump supporters who believe that someone I think it started on the Internet, like on like 8chan or something insane or Reddit, Uh where someone said, like, I have Q level FBI clearance, which is I don't even know if that's a thing. So he's like, I have Q level FBI clearance. And I'm telling you that this whole Mueller investigation is actually a cover and Mueller and Trump are working together to bring down Obama and the Clintons. So there's a bunch of people who legitimately with their whole heart and soul believe that this is an actual thing that's happening and they're showing up at Trump rallies with these like QAnon t-shirts. Oh my God. Right? And they believe it. Like there's, you can read the most insane like threads on like 4chan or 8chan about how they're losing friendships and they're losing family members and their wife is getting ready to divorce them because no one will understand the truth. Right. I mean, totally. But like they're seeing it as like, oh, everyone else is just sheeple and they're buying into this when this is really the truth. And they've taken the vindicated in the end. Right. Yeah. Pill and everybody else is not seeing the truth. But what I love about it is that there's such a time limit to this. Right. Because in their minds, at the end of this Mueller investigation, they're going to be vindicated because the veil is going to be unlifted and you were going to see that Mueller and Trump were on the same side all along. And that's not going to happen. No, So I don't know what... Yeah, there is a time limit for it. But I don't know if that will... I mean, I really feel like it is cult mentality. I feel like people are so far gone at this point that even that won't be enough. No. Like, they'll still find another conspiracy that's like, well, well, it it panned out this way because X, Y, Z. Right. Well, that's what conspiracy theorists do. You know, they believe these really extreme out there things, which, you know, it's fun to learn about, but it's another thing when you start dedicating your belief system around these Right, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just an interesting thing to kind of keep our eye on. Yeah. Um, The things that are going on with Manafort, I really hope he gets the maximum sentence, which I think is like 18 years Mm -hmm. um, because he's trash. (laughs) And I'm I'm really interested to see the way the rest of this is going to unfold while keeping my expectations at an all time. At a minimum. Exactly. (laughs) I, you know, we got to keep our expectations low. Can't get hurt. So, I can't, can't be hurt again. Yeah, I just can't set myself up for getting hurt anymore. <laughs> <laughs> got to protect my heart. I know, guys, my heart. So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about Ms. Asia Argento. Oh. Have you yeah. been hearing the latest news, Keegan? Yeah. So we spoke about her in an episode. Oh, she was a WCW for yeah. us. Oh, my yeah. God, she was. That's right. Yeah, she was. And we also spoke about her because there was a, a time where she was feeling like she wasn't being like invited into the movement with open arms, and she was having Even issues. though she's kind of a leader of the Me Too movement. Right, right. So yeah. she was one of the first to really detail graphically what, what happened. Harvey Weinstein had done Yeah, to her. exactly. So in a new turn of events, she allegedly has covered up 
a sexual assault with a 17-year-old named Jimmy Bennett, who I believe now mm-hmm. is 22, but at the time of the assault, he was that age. And, and she was 37. She was 37. And so it seems like, you know, at the time, the 17-year-old, like, went along with it, which doesn't mean that it's right. You know what I mean? That no, doesn't mean that it's, it's not it's still an assault and really wrong. and power. And yeah. I'm sure he still feels awful and taken advantage of so I don't want to take that away from him at all and I know that it was really hard for him I read some articles it was really hard for him to come out and talk about it and what's really weird to me is that in 2004 he played her son in a movie called the heart is deceitful above all things that's gross there's pictures of like him and her when he is a baby like, he's a little, not a baby, but, like, he's little. He's young. He looks like he's right. maybe seven or eight. Yeah, and there's a 20-year age gap there. It's insane. And so, like, there's even these text messages that leaked where they're talking and her, I don't know if it's her friend or her lawyer, because, like, they're asking really smart questions. They're like, how are you going to explain the age thing? Because, I, like, I think it's her friend. I read the same knew, ones. Yeah, like, you knew that he was younger than you. And she was like, well, I didn't know he was a minor until after the fact. And then... And then she's like, well, and, you know, I was having sex with guys when I was, you know, 17 and they were my age, you know, and how in other countries in, in France, it's fi- the, the age of consent is 15. Yeah, I, I didn't see you know? all of those, those text messages. I just feel like, I don't know, it's a really tricky road to tread on because she yeah. says like, oh, nothing happened. And, and there's pictures of them topless together where he has yeah. a shirt on and neither does she. Yeah. And she's like, well, you can, you can just see my tits. That doesn't mean anything. And I'm yeah. like, you're topless with a 17 year old, even yeah. if nothing happens a lot. If we reverse the genders, we wouldn't be thinking that this was okay. Yeah. And I think it's hard because we talked about the MRAs in our last, um, or a couple of episodes ago, mm-hmm. and they are using this as a way to completely invalidate the Me Too movement. And it's such, it's so much like mental gymnastics yeah. to use it to invalidate the Me Too movement because it's still a person being assaulted regardless mm-hmm. of the gender and regardless yeah. of the perpetrator. And Needs to be I think people, just seriously. yeah, and I think people have a really hard time. <clears throat> sorry, I think people have a really hard time acknowledging that someone can be a perpetrator and a victim at the same time. Yeah. And she could be both. And there's be. there's no reason that it should invalidate either experience. Nope. But I think she deserves to have consequences. Right. We still do have to look at her differently. You know what I mean? Right. She no, she deserves consequences, anymore. you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's a victim of Harvey Weinstein and her outrage over the way that she was treated is still valid, but yeah. that doesn't give her a free pass to assault to else. to have done what she did right because i mean quite often ab- abused people abuse others like that exactly. happens quite often but yes. that doesn't give the the abuser any excuses uh-huh you well know? uh years ago i can't remember the year but uh she there was like some sort of settlement where she paid him three hundred and eighty thousand dollars right she's claiming that like oh he's this poor failed child actor who doesn't know anything and he's um he extorted her he extorted her and that he was doing really badly financially and didn't have any money and uh she and anthony bourdain felt sorry for him so they like wrote him this check or whatever 
like not really implicating that it had anything to do with that necessarily even. Mm. Um, which I yeah. think is bull because she knows the circumstances. At first she's like, no, it never happened. And now she's like, well, it happened, but... Right. I think the know? truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Like, I think that there is truth probably on both sides of that. Like, maybe they did give him money because he needed it and not as a payment. But regardless, the evidence and the the way that she admitted to having, you know, interactions with him when he was under 18, she yeah. did admit that in text messages. Yeah. So regardless of why you gave him this money, whether it was a payoff or not, your actions are still inappropriate. Yes. So it doesn't really matter at the end yeah, of the day, you exactly. know? Yeah. Um, and it's and, really disappointing and, and sad. And there's still money being exchanged where even if it on the outside was meant to be for something else, I'm sure that if he was like, you know, I need this money. I mean, even if there was like blackmail involved, I don't know. I'm not saying there was. I mean, I'm just thinking of all the different circumstances where she's like, well, I don't want this to get out. So I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that right. this doesn't go public. So, I mean, and the, the same the same thing applies to her that would apply to any man that we'd be talking about, which is don't put yourself in that situation in the first place. Like you were the adult here. You are 20 years his senior. You were 37. Mm -hmm. He was a 17 year old boy. Yeah. And regardless of his motives or anything that he may have done. Yeah. You're the responsible party. You have to make the right decisions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And And so this is on you. Danger. Yeah, at the end of the day, this is on you. So No matter what the circumstances are, it still happened, and what she did was incredibly wrong. Exactly. I agree. I very much agree. Yeah, bummer, but... Yeah, but you know what? I'm happy that the story is out. I'm happy that male victims are being heard. Agreed, agreed. So I I was glad to read it, you know? Yeah, I think it's important, and I hope that this makes... It might make, again, the same way it did for men with the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. it might make for a very uncomfortable conversation that needs to be had amongst women as well, like in society. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that it all needs to come out. I yep. think that men should feel comfortable if they felt victimized, Yeah, that they need to come out and, and state that. Like, I don't think that the, it just the same way I would encourage female survivors to do so. Precisely. Um, do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about? Because I have like one other thing that I could mention. Not really. Yeah, yeah. What you I got? I want to talk about a couple of movies that have come out lately. Um, I don't really have any like real specific notes on this or anything. I just wanted to talk about it. There are two movies. One is uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Hell yeah. I cannot wait other, to go see that. Yeah, me too. And the other is All the Boys I Loved Before, which I watched on the plane ride here. How do you feel about it? I mean, it's not my favorite movie in the world. It was cute, but like, it wasn't like, it was great. Okay, so you know how people always wear their shoes on like the bed or whatever in movies? Yeah. The older sister gets into her sister's bed with her shoes on. Oh no! I would no. Be like, bitch, get take your, your nasty shoes ass shoes off. <laughs> Yeah. Like, like gets in her bed and like pulls the covers up. I'm like, what? What? Like, no one's gonna point this out. I even looked online and like. No one said anything. I'm like, what is this? Um, yeah, I don't know. There's weird shit that people do in movies that we tend to just be like, it's fine. It's <laughs> You're like, so uh. weird. <laughs> so there is a Vietnamese American main character in this movie. It is about a half white, half Vietnamese family. 
And um, the mother, who is the Vietnamese part of the family, has passed away. So it's, a, it's Aiden from Sex and the City is the dad, who I love. And I loved him as the dad in the United States of Terra, too. He plays such a he's great a good dad, dad role. He, he's I mean, also um, my big fat Greek wedding. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I love him. I can't remember his name, and I never can, but Jim I love him so Corbett? much. Or something so, like that? Something like that. I just, I absolutely adore him. So he's, he plays the dad. Um, and the author of the story is of Asian descent. I don't know exactly where she is from. And she's talking about how she really had to fight with Netflix to have a main, uh, her main female character to be of Asian descent. And they were like, well, it doesn't have to be. And she's like, well, no, but like, that's who she is. But why wouldn't it be? Yeah, like, that's because the thing. that's like, what she was written, like, but it, that's it who is she is. so frustrating for me. And I can't wait for us to have an episode on casting issues. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I'm getting back into acting. I'm trying to. And yeah, the fact that Netflix would come back and just be like, well, the default's white. So I don't understand. Why does it have to be Asian? It's like, well, why does it have to be not Asian? Yeah, exactly. I and I think, but I think that that, you know, obviously had an effect. So it, it worked and it's, it's great representation. It's a normal story. It even brings up the racism in um, 16 Candles. So it's just, it's just a cute movie, easy to watch, good for just like a night in by yourself watching a movie or with your girlfriends, like it's geared toward a younger audience, but it's just super cute. So, um, and then I haven't seen crazy rich Asians yet, but I like that. That is, it's like the first time in like, they said like 30 years or something where it's like a mostly Asian American ensemble cast. Well, I think it's the first time since like crouching tiger, hidden dragon that a movie has been this popular with an almost entirely Asian cast, which is crazy. and that again, the, case. the genre that it is, is such a whitewashed genre. Yes. Oh, my God. Like, I can't wait to see this movie because I feel like not only yeah. are rom-coms almost exclusively a white market, but yeah. also the fact that they would take this kind of risk, quote unquote. Because uh-huh. we just we just heard what they had to do at Netflix to try and get this Netflix movie made. Imagine yeah. trying to make this kind of blockbuster rom-com, which rom-coms yeah. don't do that well anymore. They don't make that much money anymore. I mean, and with this a one fully is. Asian cast. This one this is. One but is it's, it's the first one in like... People want to see something different, you know? They, they do, but do you remember the 90s when rom-coms were fucking everywhere? And like yeah. everyone went and saw rom-coms and that kind of died off and people stopped caring about going to see rom-coms. Like I heard right. the, the number, it was like, this is the first rom-com to hit this much money in like a decade or more. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it's really I exciting. Mean, I, I've been enjoying all of the like romantic comedies on Netflix that have come out, like Set It Up and a few others. I really enjoy those a lot, and I'm wondering if maybe we are headed toward a new uh, wave of those. And with Set It Up, it's two white main characters, but then their bosses are Tay Diggs and Lucy Liu. Oh yeah, I would love a resurgence of rom coms. Like I really yeah. would, and with more like diversity yeah like it just yeah. and have and new new storylines and new yeah and not and not having it be so 
typical anymore. Yeah, because so. if, even if you look at the rom-coms of the 90s, it's like the people of color characters are exclusively best friend characters. Yes. Always. Or the magical you know I mean? Negro, yeah, as we yeah. talked about and usually this a, usually a woman in that case. Like, it was mm-hmm. like a big, big mama, comfortable yeah. black woman would be your sage to give you advice. Yep. But I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see it pull away from that mm-hmm. and to pull away even further where I want to see more you know, mixed race couples yeah. where it's not the subject of the movie or more mixed race families in general because that's yeah, where we are. I wanna I wanna see more romantic comedies too with somebody who is a different size and that's not yes. the main part of the yes. story. Yeah, you know agreed. what I mean? I feel like there's so many cause because uh, kind of like with the magical Negro and for people of different ethnicities, uh the like the fat friend. You know what I mean? There's always mm-hmm. that friend right other than them just being a normal person yeah yeah and I feel like they attempted that in their weird way with train wreck but yeah but one Amy Schumer is not a big woman despite what Hollywood would have you believe and secondly she's so problematic that it's yeah I mean it could have gone in a better way had she not have been problematic it could have been a introduction to something you know what I right. mean yeah yeah had um, yeah. she not turned out to be so difficult and awful so. I mean and I do like I mean to give Amy Schumer some credit I do like that she's so comfortable and confident in her yeah. body given yeah. what I know about because be, people in the Midwest are like what the fuck ever Amy Schumer is like not Normal. a big girl yeah but, but as someone who lives in LA and has for seven years or more, more, almost eight years, and has yeah. worked or tried to work in the entertainment industry, uh, I give her kudos for being yeah. as brazen as she is because Same. they make me feel fat all yeah. the time. You oh know? my God, yeah, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So, well, that's all that I really wanted to say. Is there anything else that you want to add, Keeks? Um, That's really all I have, but I was thinking... Why don't we, since we are talking about movies, we got an email from M, who has written to us before. Yes. Talking Would about you like Blues. to read that? Yeah, yeah, I'll read it. So in our episode about Manny, Pic- Manny, Manic Pixie mm-hmm. Dream Girl that just came out on Monday, we talked about Blue is the Warmest Color and I we'd never seen it. I don't even remember talking about that. Yeah, we did. But we I'm talked sure I did. To, we talked because we were talking about how manic pixie dream girls are typically very heteronormative like it's usually yeah. a male female relationship and then we were like well we've oh, never yeah. seen blue is the warmest color and you know what's the situation with that and maybe we should watch it and uh-huh. then uh, m wrote us this email so it says yeah. hi girls me again do i ever shut up the answer is no i promise <laughs> we don't either it's all good you should start a podcast m <laughs> I loved your episode on Manic Pixie Dream Girls. Your comments were very insightful, and I felt myself nodding along as you spoke. Anyway, you brought up Blue is the Warmest Color, which is either loved or hated by most in the queer female-identifying community, depending on who you ask. Essentially, it depicts the dramatic love story between a girl who identifies as a lesbian, blue hair, and another who identifies as bisexual, but is still discovering her sexuality. To give you the gist of the criticism, one... The sex scenes are very unrealistic for two young girls in high school mm-hmm. slash early college with not a lot of sexual experience. Very porn-like, but yeah. well shot. 
Additionally, the director was accused of pushing the girls too far in some scenes, almost to the point of sexual abuse. Some comments came out that they would work extremely long hours and have to shoot the same sex scene over and over until they felt very vulnerable and uncomfortable. Though they are French actresses, you can still find articles and interviews with them in English. I could go on, but my plane is about to take off. If you wanted to cover this movie for a problematic fave in a future episode, it would be super interesting. Love you, mm-hmm. girls, and keep up the good work. Forever raging, M. We love you, M. Yeah, yes, that would be a really you. great one to talk about. I think so too. And what I would love to do with that is maybe I could ask my friend. I have a friend who I had, um, who's a lesbian, who I had a really interesting conversation with a few years ago, where we talked mm-hmm. about lesbian porn. And I think I brought it up and she kind of scoffed at it. And she was like, yeah, lesbian porn, because the porn that you would see that's quote unquote lesbian porn on like Pornhub yeah. or whatever is not that it's, no, it's completely it's designed like to straight women or like or is at least uh, just all for the male gaze. Yeah, it's completely designed for the yeah. male gaze entirely, which I would question whether or not, even though I know that for a lot of people, blue is the warmest color really resonated in the, and for this girl who I'm talking about too, actually, we had a conversation about that. It really resonated with her community. Yeah, the sex just wasn't realistic because, you know, it's like, that's not what a first time is like, you know? Well, and it also makes me feel really sad for them and uncomfortable if they had a straight male oh my gosh. director who was pushing who had them. had them do it for hours. Yeah. Right. Which to me is never, I mean, as an actor, doing that to your actors, even with, with any highly emotional or intense scene is bordering so, on abusive. <laughs> I was just going to say like, that is so abusive and awful. Right. So to have them do it with a sex scene where ev- you're already vulnerable and needing to be comforted any needing to be made to feel comfortable, not comforted, yeah. I guess, but Anyway, because you're in a really awkward situation surrounded by people being made to do things that you don't wouldn't normally do in front of other people that to force them to do it for hours is awful, awful. Yeah. Yeah. Just awful. So um, thank you so much for sending that in. I would totally love to do that for a future episode. I think that's a great idea. Me too. Have to watch it. We got to talk to some lesbians. We got to get our shit right. And watch them interviews, for sure. Yes, for sure. So, awesome. Well, uh, before any of this could possibly go wrong, I'm going to send you this audio file, Keegan. Okay. So, let's let's wrap her up. Okay. Well, hold on just one second. I just want to yeah. give a quick shout out to Christina, oh, yeah. who I love very much, who subbed for me last week. Um, and oh, yeah, I'm so we're best friends now. Her. Good. I'm so glad. Uh, <laughs> the episode sounded great. And, you know, I hope listeners, if you liked that, let us know for future when we go out of town. You mm-hmm. know, we're, we're happy to try and, and, and get some guests in here if you like a little change yeah. of pace because she did a great job and she I'm really did, grateful. She did amazingly and we had to record it twice. So I got to see her twice and we got to create a great friendship and it really meant a lot to me. And, yeah, it was a great experience for me all around. It was Good. awesome. So so glad. So glad. Love you, Christina. So I guess with that being said, we encourage you to, to rage, rage on. on. Bye. That's going to sound so weird. <laughs> Bye.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.